working for jury duty up until a couple months ago. And it just so happened to be federal jury duty. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's my, you know, it's my first time, now it's gonna be something important. Well, it just so happened to be federal, federal jury duty for the Dylan Roof trial. Dang. Yeah. And so I can talk about this because I didn't get selected. So I was in this big pool and I don't know anything about the case. But it's kind of crazy, right? And so if you're from Charleston or if you lived here when the, the church shooting happened, for those of you who don't know his name, he was the one responsible for the AME uh, shooting last year. Um, and so if you were here when that happened, you remember it very well. Like you remember the weight of that event. You know the stories, you know the faces, you know, you remember the speeches. You remember the, the, um, the, the families forgiving, the, the, forgiving Dylan Roof on live television for what he did. Uh, you remember Chris Singleton and the famous you know, phrases that these people use in forgiveness. And you know about the Ravenel Bridge Walk. We actually, uh, uh, Ryan took a picture in, uh, of that. And so they walked in support of the families of the victims. And so if you remember this event, you know that the two best words to describe the events of the church shooting and everything that followed would be unified and powerful. Unified and powerful. And when we were talking about how we wanted prayer to be at Genesis, those two words came to mind. Unified and powerful. And so tonight we're going to focus on those two words really quick. But the thing is, the beauty of prayer is that it's an agent of change. That prayer is an agent of change. Prayer can change you. It can change people close to you. It can change the people far from you. Prayer can change your workplace. Prayer can change your school. Prayer can change your city. And prayer can even change the world. Prayer is an agent of change. But the thing is that oftentimes we can forget who the God is that we are praying to. That it's so easy to forget the power and the knowledge and the love and the proximity of the God that we serve. And so tonight, I want to remind us all who the God is that we are praying to. And we find that in Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there. Uh, Psalm 139, we're going to read, this is 18 verses, okay? So I encourage you, while you're flipping there, to focus on the words that we're going to read tonight from Psalm 1, 139, 1 through 18. So I'll go ahead and start. And uh, again, this is Psalm 139, 1 through 18. And this is the God that we pray to. This is what it says. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the same. I awake, and I am still with you. This is the God that we are praying to. This is the God that hears us when we talk to Him. And Genesis can be a group of people, young adults, that are praying unified and powerful prayers to a God that is able to answer them. That He is able to answer the prayers that we pray to Him. To a God that is with us everywhere we go. To a God that, that knows us inside and out, that formed us in our mother's womb. To a God that knows everything. To a God that has control of the moving parts of our life. And the thing is, we all want to see our loved ones come to know Christ. We all want to see people close to us, if friends or family come to know Christ. We all want to see the revival in our city and in our country that we all talk about. We all want to see that. But how can we do that if our prayers are not unified? How can we do that if our prayers are not unified? Wouldn't we pray unified prayers over lost people and over our city? We are praying to a God that has the power to do something about it. When we pray, don't miss this. When we pray, we treat God like he's God. When we pray, we treat God like he's God. We treat him like he has the power to change the world. We treat him like he has the power to change those close to us, to bring, to draw people to him. And the revival that we want to see starts with our prayer life. The revival that we want to see starts with our prayer life. In Genesis, it needs to be a place where we can all pray unified and powerful prayers to the God who overcame the world and therefore has the power to change it. And so we really believe this here in Genesis. And so before service every Tuesday, because we want to make this a priority in the, not the extension or this room, but the room next to us in the atrium, uh, we have pre-service prayer at 5.30 every, every Tuesday before service. And so what that's for is that Anybody can come. Everyone is welcome to come and pray over whatever it is that you feel like you need prayer for. Uh, it's not just about the service. We can pray over the city, over family and friends. We can pray over things in your own life that you feel like you need prayer for. And so I'd encourage you to come to that. That's every Tuesday at 530 right next to us, next door. And so... Um, Prayer is a, a huge part of the dream for Genesis. And so the dream for Genesis is to see a, a group of young adults take their prayer life off of the shelf and start to use it. That we have the power to change a generation that is sitting inside of our prayers. And our prayers are powerful because of who they are prayed to. Our prayers are powerful because of who the God is that we are praying to. The second core value I want to discuss tonight uh, is worship. And the dream for Genesis worship is for it to be authentic and passionate. Authentic and passionate. And there's something about having a heart of worship that is authentic and passionate that will cause you to want everything you do on a daily basis to be a form of worship. 
And that is the hope for the young adults at Genesis. And so I want to discuss the authenticity side of things first. Uh, I was having a conversation the other day with a guy who uh, came to Genesis for the first time. And he said he got here and he saw people raising their hands during worship. And he said at his church back home that people didn't do that. And so when he came here and he saw people doing that, he's like, oh, it's kind of, you know, kind of weird, you know, kind of different. It's probably a better word. Not weird, but different. He wasn't used to it. And so the conversation, it kind of got me thinking, uh, especially considering this message about the different ways that people worship. And the thing is, for Genesis worship, we, we said authentic and passionate and not hand-raising and passionate or not knowing all the words and passionate and not professional singing and passionate, but authentic and passionate. And so authentic worship is something that is personal. And so nobody can tell you that you're not worshiping authentically except for God or yourself. And so we want to push authentic worship. And some people raise their hands as an outward display of what's going on inside their heart. Some people mainly just sing. Some people may sit there and listen to the words and dwell on what the song is saying. I know people that play instruments, that their form of worship is through playing their instrument. Everybody worships in different ways and it looks differently for everyone. But the dream is for it to be authentic. And so for those of us who, who organize the service and, and execute it, make it happen, we want the environment of Genesis to promote authentic worship. And part of that is understanding that everyone worships in different ways. That all it is is simply an overflow of what's going on inside of you. The redemption, the restoration. What's going on inside of you? The life change, the admiration of God, the submission to God. Authentic worship is just an outward display of those things happening inside of you. And so the bottom line is that worship is just pouring yourself out before the Lord. It's pouring yourself out before the Lord. And so however you do that, own it and do it with passion. And so that leads us to the second half of uh, the worship core value. And we've talked about the authenticity side. And so in terms of the dream for Genesis worship, the next part is for it to be passionate. And here's where we'll hang out for a little bit tonight, because this is a big one. It's important to understand with that worship is, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that we just do at church. It's not an event. Worship is a state of mind, not just an occasion. It's, uh, it's something, that you can, you, something you can do in every single thing that you do. That worship can happen in everything you do. It's not just songs. It's not just something that happens at church. But it's a lifestyle. So from here on out, when I use the word worship, I think, think about it in the context, not just a church service, but in your everyday life. So think about it in the context of your everyday life. And the thing about everyday life is that it becomes mundane. Everyday life becomes very monotonous, very repetitive. Would you guys agree with that? Everyday life kind of just can get boring sometimes. Cool. And oftentimes, the thing about that is that our worship is based upon circumstance. Our worship is based upon circumstance. And the thing about the threat to our relationship with God, I think, I believe one of the biggest threats to our relationship with God is when it gets boring. When it gets boring, when it's not exciting anymore, nobody wants to do it, nobody wants to take part. And so I believe one of the, the biggest things the enemy does is try to make your relationship with God boring or take the excitement out of it. And oftentimes that happens with our worship because it gets monotonous, because it's based upon circumstance. 
And it creates this tension. And it leads us to lose our passion when it comes to worshiping God. Because here's why. An action based upon circumstance or founded upon circumstance gets lost in the mundane. So I want to say that again. An action that is founded upon circumstance gets lost in the mundane. And we know this to be true because nobody thinks about going to the doctor until they're sick. Nobody thinks about the action of going to the doctor until the circumstance has arisen that you are sick. Nobody thinks about calling 911 until there's an emergency. Nobody thinks about the action of calling 911 until there's a circumstance of an emergency. Nobody thinks about putting gas in their car until they're on E. Nobody thinks about the action of putting gas in their car until the circumstance has arisen that you need gas. And so my fear is that nobody thinks about God until so the circumstance has arisen that they feel like they need Him. And so when our worship is founded upon circumstance and our feelings, the thing about that is that it changes. It changes. And so sometimes you come in here, I'm the same way, and life isn't awesome, but it's not that bad either. And so you're kind of just stuck in the middle. And so when worship is founded upon circumstance, it's like, okay, life is going awesome. I get to praise God and thank Him for blessing me. Thank you for giving me all these things. Thank you for taking care of me. Or on the other end of the spectrum, your life's falling apart. And it's like, God, I need you. I'm crying out to you. And there's nothing wrong with those two circumstances and worshiping for those reasons. We see in Psalms plenty of reasons for worshiping due to your circumstances and the things that you're crying out to God for. But the problem is when it's founded upon that, it doesn't always translate when life becomes Monday. When life is kind of in the middle of the two. And so, we have to look at Scripture to figure out what our worship should instead be founded upon. If it's not based on circumstance, what is it founded upon? So let's read. This is Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. Uh, while you're turning there, I sent this verse to Jeff last night to put in the computer. And uh, I said Hebrews 12, 28 through 30. And he came up to me today and he was like, I don't think there is a Hebrews 12, 30. <laughs> and I was like, you sure about that? You know, uh, weird translation. Um, but it is not. It's 28 through 29. So while you're turning there, uh, I was going to tell you that story. <laughs> so uh, it's trying to fill some space. All right. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. So this is Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. This is what it says. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews is a cool book because we're not really sure who wrote it. Uh, if you compare it with uh, like some of Paul's letters, some of the language is the same. He kind of greets and has his salutation similar to Paul. And so maybe it's Paul. We don't really know. But the cool thing about Hebrews is that it, it connects the Old Testament with the New Testament. And it talks about Jesus founding and perfecting our faith and how he came and fulfilled everything that the prophets and everybody in the Old Testament was talking about. And so this is towards the end of the book. And so in the letters, you know, it's not 
when he wrote it, it wasn't broken into chapters and verses. It was just one long thing. And so this is right towards the end. And so when you see a therefore in Scripture, you always have to ask, well, what's it there for? And so this is here because he's talked about, he's talked about all these, these incredible things that God has done throughout time. And then he says, therefore, can we get up there one more time? Thank you, Cody. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So if you're in here tonight and you have the slightest doubt or slightest insecurity about the kingdom of God, it cannot be shaken. Thus let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so instead of founding our worship on our circumstances, Scripture says to base it on reverence and awe for God. And reverence and awe of who God is and what He's done. Because regardless of our surroundings, regardless of our circumstances or our situations, who God is does not change. And what He has done does not change. And so when you, you found your worship on reverence and awe of who God is, and do you ever stop and think about the God we worship? Do you ever stop and think about the God that we worship? When we worship, we are singing out to the God of all creation, to the God who stands outside of time, the God who puts everything in its place. The God who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He's the God who told Noah to build the ark. He's the same God who split the Red Sea. He's the same God who protected Daniel in the lion's den. And even while we were still sinners, he's the same God who came to earth as one of us to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to resurrect and defeat death three days later, to redeem us and restore us and establish us so that we are set before the throne of God. We are clothed in the righteousness of the Son. And if that's not enough, if He's the same God who performed all these miracles, who's done all these incredible things, if He's the same God, the same God who used a prostitute like Rahab, the same God who used a stutterer like Moses. The same God who used a coward like Jonah. The same God who used a murderer like Paul and he used Peter even though he denied him. That he can use you and me. If he's the same God that did all that, he's the same God that he can do that with us and in our, in our hearts and in our worship. That is why we worship and that is reason enough alone to worship God in reverence and in awe of who He is. <laughs> and understanding that worship is founded by a reverence and awe for God is where you will find your passion for worship. It's where you will find your passion for worship because you start to be passionate about your God and not your circumstances. You start to be passionate about your God and not your situation. I want to ask the band to come back up. Uh, as we wrap up uh, week three of the dream, it's important to say that this is a team effort. Uh, Genesis is not just the staff or the leaders. It's everyone. And we cannot accomplish the dream without every single person in these seats tonight. 
that everybody plays a, a crucial role in making this happen. And all of you have certain character traits and personalities and gifts and talents that Genesis needs to grow and to thrive. And tonight we've discussed the goals for Genesis prayer and worship. And we believe God wants our prayers to be unified and powerful. And it's impossible to be unified alone. And so this dream is a team effort. And as the band is coming back up, we wanted to give you an immediate chance to apply what we've talked about. And so what the band is going to do, we'll sing a slower song and then we'll celebrate out with a, a faster one. But in these next few moments, I would encourage you to let God work on you. Let God work on you. Put yourself in a position of awe and reverence for what God has done for you. Set aside your situations. Set aside your circumstances. And set your eyes upon the cross in Jesus Christ. Let's put ourselves in a position of reverence and awe for what God has done for us tonight. We are so excited for the future of Genesis. And the future of its prayer and its worship. To pray prayers that are unified and powerful. And to worship authentically and with passion. That is the dream. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the amazing opportunity to sit in reverence and in awe for what you have done. It doesn't matter who we are, what our past looks like. You're the same God who redeemed you're the same God who restores. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know, God, you can do the same thing in us. So I pray, God, that we would be strengthened by your presence, strengthened by your spirit. And that we would worship tonight and worship in the future with reverence and with awe who you are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.